and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one wise page of Talmud every day. As we read today's page, Sukkah 21, we come across a reminder that so many of us, myself first and foremost, need to hear, namely that one of the most important things we could do is simply to stop and listen. Listen reverently to what wise people are saying, because when wise people speak, they say nothing that is insignificant. Everything that they speak of has some value. Everything that they say teaches us something. Have a listen. The Gemara questions the formulation of the Brita. And let Rabbi Shimon say from the statement of Rabban Gamliel, why did he use this atypical expression from the conversation of Rabban Gamliel? The Gemara answers. Through this expression, he teaches us another matter in passing, like that which Rabbi Ahabar Ada said, and some say that Rabbi Ahabar Ada said, that Rabbi Hamnuna said, that Rav said. From where is it derived that even the conversation of Torah scholars require analysis, even when the intention of the speaker was apparently not to issue a halachic ruling? It is as it is stated with regard to the righteous, which brings forth its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, Psalms 1-3. This teaches that with regard to a Torah scholar, not only is his primary product, his fruit, the teaching of Torah, significant, but even ancillary matters that stem from his conversation, his leaves, are significant. This teaches us to stop and listen very carefully whenever Torah scholars speak. And so today, I want to do just that. It is my pleasure to share with you a recent episode of one of my new favorite podcasts, The Deal with the Great Nisim Black. If you do not know his story, Nisim is an incredible human being. He was born in Seattle, became a rapper early on in life, had to deal with a lot of adversity, including parents being incarcerated and communities steeped in suffering and addiction, and found his way to Judaism, to Torah, to studies, found his way back home. And in today's conversation, he speaks with another remarkable human being who traveled a similar road, overcoming so many difficulties to become a star in his own field, one of the greatest NBA players in recent memory and the star of my beloved New York Knicks, Amara Stoudemire. Amara, too, has found his way home to Torah Judaism, becoming not only a superstar, but a tremendously committed Torah scholar. So here they are, these two amazing Jews, these two terrific Torah scholars speaking to each other about their lives and the paths that took them home to Judaism. You could check out The Deal with Nisim Black to hear the entire conversation and to enjoy many other episodes and many other conversations Nisim has with some of the most fascinating people working and thinking and creating today. But for now, here they are, Nisim Black and Amara Stoudemire. Have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been looking forward to this interview for so long with my brother from another, Yehoshaphat ben Avraham, otherwise known as Amari Stoudemire. He is a superstar basketball player whose career started in Phoenix. He went on to New York and then ended up here in Israel. He was a six-time All-Star player during his career in the NBA and a two-time All-Star here in Israel, including finishing as the finals MVP for Maccabi Tel Aviv in 2020, my brother. 
Thank you so much for joining me here on The Deal, finally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel good. Thank God, man. I feel good. Before I even get into the questions, I already right. got to ask you, right. man, when are you coming home? We miss you. The land misses you. Yeah, I'm trying to... I know, bro. It's a great question. I'm trying to make it happen. Right now, we're in all season, and we are figuring out, like, summer league schedule and what the team's going to be doing and draft and so forth. Uh, so right now, I'm basically in limbo, depending on how the NBA schedule turns out for the summer. So my first official question is, is why? Because it's a humble restart. No lights. No fame for this. No endorsements over here. You're not going to start, you know, uh, you know, selling seats or anything. You are at the height of your career. You are the man. You're the man's man on the court, off the court, stardom, fame, uh, wealth, success. And somehow, some way, find yourself being lured and attracted to Judaism, which is like, huh? You know, how did it happen? You know, what was the first thing that caught you? How did you get started on this journey? Yep. It's interesting, man, because um, when I was when I was young, like my early, my early young years, my mother and her husband were both explaining to me and my brother that we are very well could be from the lost tribes of Israel and that we should find our way connecting back to uh, the laws of Moses. And at that time, funny enough, it made sense to me. You know, even at a young age, I felt like that was that sound about right. And then so throughout my, you know, youth upbringing, I to start learning as I went on. And obviously I wasn't in the Jewish community. I didn't know any Jewish people at the time. It was just me and, and just learning on my own and just reading and just trying to make sense of it all. And then once I got into the NBA, continued that learning, I started learning with other guys uh, who were who were also somewhat, you know, trying to to find a, a path of righteousness. And then once I got to New York, that's where well, actually right before I got to New York, I linked up with the rabbi who was saying to me that what I'm teaching, what I'm learning is very accurate. And he would love to learn with me. And so once I got to New York, I started learning with the rabbi there. And then sure enough, man, years later, I ended up coming in and, and becoming a citizen in Israel. It's crazy. So when you on this journey, you meet this rabbi now you're already in the NBA, and obviously this is going to this is life startling thing. I know my own journey. It's not it's not something where it's like it's a small thing. It's like looking up the mountain. I was like, okay, well, I already learned, and I know this much. There's more, <laughs> and then on top of that, right. then there's more. You know, how was it for each transition? You know, because most people don't know when people go through that journey of of having to go through a conversion or a gayness or or you know e- even people who are just returning back home. How do you did you handle each step? Was it always did you meet it with resistance with the next thing like you know uh, Shabbat and all the laws of Shabbat or Kashrut and all those different things like that? Did you meet those things with the resistance where it was very hard first, or was it like a flow and things were easy for you? It was actually kind of hard at first. I mean, when I first started learning about you know keeping Shabbat and the laws of keeping Shabbat, I'm like, there's no way. Like, how how is this possible? And so I think what helped me a lot is like guys like yourself who. I saw as an example of what can, what can be done if I just stayed a course, even though it felt very uncomfortable at first because coming from a total different background and then get, and getting engulfed into like Orthodox Judaism, it took a while for me to understand everything that that encompasses. But I thank God for allowing me to have like the open heart and the humbleness to be able to now put my ego aside and become somewhat of a rookie again in a different world and learn from just scratch of not being able to read Hebrew or write to now reading and writing and so forth. Just learning from scratch, Unicene actually paved the way for a lot of us to be able to see like what the goals are and what we can accomplish if we just stay the course. Man, that's very sweet of you. And uh, I would like to say I learned a lot from you. You see, because one thing that I notice is your ability 
to just be so humble and to ask the question. So many times people fake like they know what it is or they're put in a position, you know, after I've been on this journey for a while and everybody expects that I should know the answer. So sometimes it's hard to say, I don't know. And just seeing you soak up everything like a sponge, whether it was in yeshiva, not only were you, you know, receiving anything from me, but you you were just really so so ready to learn and so eager to learn and, and humble about it, you know. So I really want to say that I learned a lot from you and I really picked up. I was even talking to my wife about it, just how impressed I was with your just your ability to just humble yourself in a situation in a world that, you know, wasn't always familiar to you. Because not everybody who comes from our background um, are able to humble themselves when they come in because they feel like they already know everything. So it takes a big thing to be able to stop them because just like you said, you know, being a rookie again sort of puts you in a position to be able to grow that much more, right? To be able to start off, like you said, like a rookie and to be able to grow and, and, and eventually become a veteran in this game. So you should know, sir, you inspired me. So now your newfound relationship with Judaism um, encompasses a lot of new things, right? And the biggest question or the elephant in the room all the time for, for anybody who finds himself uh, returning back to the people um, in whatever case is how does people take it around you? There's a lot of different things that people were not aware of. How did your family feel? How did your friends feel? The NBA peers, people that, you know, you were involved with in terms of your career, how did they feel about it? Yeah, you know, I think I think um, you know, when the initial situation happened, like when I first traveled to Israel, people were somewhat asking, Why am I going to Israel for vacation? I can go to Ibiza, I can go to, you know, I can go anywhere in the world. Why am I going to Israel? And at that time it was a secret about what my 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 roots were, you know, my heritage was. And I I really wasn't explaining it to the rest of the world very much. I would drop a few hints here and there, but uh but once I traveled to Israel, I think it was twenty ten and when people start discovering my Hebraic roots, that's when it became something massive. I think my family was somewhat trying to figure out what that meant. Uh, it's funny because my uncle, who was a Christian pastor for 30 something plus years, and then once he saw my journey and what I was learning, he sat down with me and said, nephew, everything you're learning and saying is absolutely correct. <clears throat> that confirmation from someone who's from a same family, but different background per se, to confirm the learnings that, that we're doing and that we were doing in Israel, was confirmation that I was on the right path. And so my family was open, you know, open with it. Uh, my friends were also somewhat understanding because they saw my journey along the way. Uh, so it wasn't really a strange moment for me. The only strange part about it was, is when I came back from Israel and now I have, you know, my keeper on, I have my tzitzit somewhere in my, you know, my black and white. A lot of people didn't understand what that meant. I and mean, then I think now they're starting to understand. Right. So how do you express that? Because like, you know, after a while, I just got so tired of everybody asking me questions, you know. In the Jewish world, they question the authenticity of my Judaism. I wouldn't say the authenticity of my Judaism, like my conversion or anything, but in terms of how devoted am I to my Yiddishkeit and people that, that were similar when I was, uh, you know, in JFK or, you know, or wherever I was in New York or something like that. All the black people also to they asking me, like, you know, are you still black? Like, you, you know, like you switched up, like, you know, and I got tired of it, so I dropped Motherland Bounce. That was the reason why that right. song came about. I felt like, you know, I had to be able to give a disclaimer. Uh, my expression through the arts is through music. So I made a song and I'm going to sum it up in a song in three minutes or so right. of what I am and who I am. How do you feel like you express that? Because it's like you can't keep answering the same question over and over and over again 
for so many different people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a matter of if they ask me, then I'm willing to answer. Mm-hmm. I'm opposed to it. I want I want people to be curious. I want questions. I want people to ask mm-hmm. so I can give them a bit of inf- information about God on along the way, right? So that's like an easy way to transition over conversation. Wow, and get, and bring them closer to God if they if they are curious and want to ask. But yeah, I do see like from the Jewish world being like a minority, basically as like a man of color in that space. I felt like when I first got to Israel. I'm like, where's everyone else? I'm the only guy. I felt a little bit like an eyeball. Right. Then I noticed that I wasn't the only one. And then my learnings continued to push through and, and everything became much greater because the seriousness of learning seemed to prevail over anything or, or any stigmatism someone may have or had have at that time. Um, so that stigmatism was gone because of the focus on, because of my focus on learning. Um, and then from when I got back to America, everyone noticed kind of my change in behavior. So then that respect also grew. So it's actually coming together at the right time. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please Go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at Take One Dafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.